Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Thanks again for joining us online today. We're going to pause in our series in Romans 8, and instead I want to speak directly into what's happening in the world today. I want to speak mostly from my heart and share with you what I feel like God is speaking to us in this hour. And well, unless you've been hiding underneath a rock, you've seen, you've heard, you can't help but be affected by what's going on in this global epidemic and this national pandemic. And if you're like me, then you've been working through the various challenges, these various thoughts, these various emotions in stages and cycles. You know, first I was challenged by just how serious this would or wouldn't be. This was just a couple of weeks ago now, and, and I was wondering, do we, even, do we need to cancel that first service? Do we, do we still have it? And, and about half the churches did, but we hadn't yet, and, and I didn't want to discourage meeting together since the government wasn't yet. And I also wrestled with the thought of, do I have enough of the essential things for my family during this time? And you probably made multiple trips to the store like me and possibly continue to do so each time you need something. It seems like there's this insecurity that began to come up inside me. And just a side note, I want to go on the record that as one of the few people who did not buy any toilet paper or paper towels at a store during this time, I'd like to be able to say that, uh, yeah, we were good. We had plenty of it. Um, But actually, we we ordered it online. (laughs) We just ordered it on Target.com and it came in the mail to us. So I think I can still say that I didn't go to a store and buy any, even though it did arrive on my doorstep. So, but all of us have had to process what is happening. And some of us, we don't agree with the government decisions. Some of us think they're, they're too lax. Others think that they're trying to control areas that they shouldn't. And we're surrounded by unrest in so many places. With stocks down, unemployment up, shelves emptying and fear filling, how, how should we be responding as a people of faith? And that's what I want to speak to today. I want to speak to us as a body of faith, followers of Christ. And if you haven't yet followed him, you haven't yet experienced his forgiveness and peace, this will be helpful for you too. And as people of faith though, what should we be doing? How, what should we be known for in this time of crisis? What should we do? Well, one thing I know is that we shouldn't be worrying about it. And maybe we should, I don't know, should we just go on with life as usual and and appear that we're underreacting? You know, that's one of the struggles. Or should we be on the other side, um, you know, stocking up on extra hand sanitizer and toilet paper and hiding inside and preparing for the apocalypse and the end of the world? And I don't pretend to be an expert. I don't know where and how long this will go on. I don't know what the outcomes will be for our economy. I don't know how it will affect our country in regards to its government structure. But I try to speak right now as someone with faith and in a faith-filled perspective. You know, for me, it all began where I found myself challenged by some of the different reaction I was hearing about on the news and, and reading about on Facebook and even seeing from others around me. I have to admit at first, I made sure that my family was okay. I got milk, bread, the essential food items. But then I was challenged by what would Jesus be doing right now? What would I find him doing in the moments of the coronavirus crisis? 
And I have a hard time picturing Jesus isolating himself. I have a hard time seeing him in quarantine with his disciples till this just passes over. And I think of his reputation and those he interacted with most. The religious, they misunderstood him, labeling him as a friend of sinners. And in Luke 5, I'm really challenged by what I read. Jesus calls some to follow him at the beginning of that chapter. He heals a leper while touching him would have immediately made him unclean. He forgives the sin of a paralytic in front of the religious folks of his day, and he asks a tax collector, an outcast, to be one of his closest friends and to follow him. And then he sits down and eats with a group of people that they classified as sinners. Do you want to study who Jesus would be spending his time with right now? Then read Luke chapter 5. I think it will challenge you and all of our paradigms during this season. And well, I began to think about Jesus would probably be starting the first COVID-friendly church. Instead of finding him in quarantine, I think I might find him visiting and sitting with and spending time with those that we are actually calling to isolation. And I don't think this, this illness would be scaring him off or causing him to panic. Instead, his compassion would override all this precaution and these fears even that we see people reacting with so that he could serve someone else, so that they could be made whole emotionally, mentally, and even physically during this crisis. That's the Jesus I see in scriptures. And I wrestled with that at the beginning of all this. And so these were some of my initial thoughts, but, but I'm not Jesus. And, and I have a responsibility to test the Lord, to not test the Lord, but to walk in faith and wisdom, not to mutually exclusive virtues. This has been my process. And I'm sure you've had yours. And I would love for you to share that with us in the comments on the side, or even send me a text or an email. What's been your process? Was it first to prepare? Was there any fear? Are you still afraid? Was there just life as usual for you and until you couldn't anymore? What has been your process? And where has God been in the midst of all of that processing? Has he had any input on how you're handling this? He wants to. He wants to help us navigate through this valley that we are all walking through. He wants to be with each and every one of us. He wants to guide us. Have you invited him into this process? Have you spent time with him? Are you hearing from him in his word, spending time with him in, in worship? Are you talking to him, talking to him even with your family? It's vital right now that we do. And first, I'm not going to make any long-term or permanent decisions today based on some sort of crisis that appears to be happening in a response of panic. Now, I found that in crisis and in times of panic, it's best not to project out into the future because we don't know the future, but we know the one who holds it. And it's always been best, I believe, to make wise decisions based on what I, I know right now, what I know today. And I'm not saying that based on what I know today, I'm not going to be level-headed and make sound decisions that help those I'm responsible to lead because I am. I'm going to make the best plan for the rest of this semester or even into the summer. And that's what I'm having to do. We're having to make some of those decisions now. We've had to make the decisions for what our program's going to look like at Kiko for the rest of the semester. Knowing that the situation remains fluid, constantly changing, we had to make some decisions this week regarding camp. 
choosing to deepen our relationships with our youth rather than giving them the normal experience that they've had the past few years. These have not been easy for us. These have not been normal circumstances. But the things that we value, they're driving our decisions. They're driving our decisions to create a normal experience for our youth right now. And so how are you being affected? How are you making decisions, not in panic, but based on what you know right now, that the Lord is still in control. And as disciples of Jesus, the filter that forms our decisions is different. Why? Because we're not of this world and we're not to be conformed by this world. We're not to be conformed by the news. We're not to be conformed by our Facebook feed, but instead conformed by the word that the Lord gives to us. Do not live like those who have no hope. We are different. And that's why today I'm talking about why we are not afraid. And there's three ways that I think we are not like this world and how we can respond with faith and not fear and why we're not afraid. We'd live by faith and not fear, right? As, as followers of Christ, that should be our, our MO. When Jesus was comforting his disciples in John 14, he says this, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in verse 27 of John 14, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, and do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I love that. But listen to John 14, 27 in the NLT, the New Living Translation. Jesus says this. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Oh, I love that translation. It's so beautiful. You see, we are all receiving something right now. We are receiving things during this time, whether we like it or not. It is just a matter of who are you receiving from? Jesus says, I am giving you peace, my peace. He then says, the world can't give this to you, but the world is giving you something. It's giving you hearts full of trouble. The world is giving us something, and right now it is filled with panic, fear, projections it can't sustain or possibly know. So who are you receiving from? Who am I receiving from? Am I receiving from Jesus? Am I receiving from the world? You'll know by what your heart is filled with. Right now, is it filled with peace or is it filled with panic and fear and uncertainty and doubt and the possibility of troubles ahead? And if you're like me, maybe at times it's filled with more of one than the other and it continually is going back and forth. But let me be clear, those other things are not coming from God. Those are not the gifts that he gives us. The gift that Jesus is giving us in John 14 is during uncertain times for his followers and Jesus could have given a number of different things, a number of different virtues, but Jesus chose to give us one thing, peace of mind and heart. So you've heard me say it before, the peace of God that Paul talks about in Philippians 4, I love it. I love how he writes this. He writes this chapter down real quick, right? He says, I want you to write down Philippians chapter 4. Here you go. You ready? Look this up later. This is a great portion of scripture to be looking at during this time. So Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, Paul tells them to choose joy, choose to rejoice. 
operate in patience and gentleness. He is near. Instead of anxiety, Paul says to take everything to God in prayer. Don't forget to infuse your prayers with thanksgiving because thanksgiving is the the perspective shifter for us to abandon anxiety and walk in faith as we lay those troubles that the world is giving us at the feet of Jesus. It is after we have chosen to rejoice in all things, always. It is after we have chosen the path of gentleness and patience through prayer and thanksgiving that Paul says then, and in the Greek it says, as a result, as a result of doing these things, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. This is the peace that excels all human planning. It's not going to make sense. It's going to pass understanding. And I love what one writer says about this verse. He says, God's peace is able to produce exceedingly better results than human planning. It is far superior to any person's schemes for security. God's peace is more effective for removing anxiety than any intellectual effort or power of reasoning. So we choose this path that Paul talks about, reminding ourselves that God is faithful, that He's in control, that He is good, and that we are rooted in His goodness and that He has a plan and that He won't leave us, He won't forsake us. And one of my favorite verses found in Romans 8, 28, he is working all things together for our good. He is working this entire crisis out for the good of His church, for the good of His children, for the good of His kingdom. Let's press into this peace, this plan through prayer. Amen? Hey, some of you guys could be commenting a little bit more on the side over there. Let's hear some amens over there on the side. But again, Paul writes to Timothy, and he writes in Second Timothy, he says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We're not panicking right now because God has given us His peace. Why are you not fearful? Because God has allowed us to operate in faith. Because we live by faith, not by sight. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. And the spirit that God has given us, it comes with some things. It has some other things that are attached to it, some benefits. What it doesn't come with is fear and cowardliness. Instead, it comes with courage, power, love, and a sound mind. I love that the strength of what God has given us is tempered by operating in this love. And the reason of, and the reasonability behind what God has given us is this practical wisdom and discernment that He gives us to operate at all times but it will distinguish us in times like these. He's given us a sound mind. We can make good decisions. We can have discernment and act with practicality. We live by faith, not by fear, but we also, we are sacrificial and not selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I tell you right now, when all this craziness started and everyone was shifting to online church, I was like, oh man, I don't know how to do this. And I could see how we were going to be online more than ever. And that meant that there was going to be more comparison. For me, it was, oh, look at what that church is doing or not doing. Look at what that other youth ministry is doing or not doing. And, and some to make me feel better about myself, while others to make me feel like, oh my goodness, I need to do a better job. How do I do this? And well, we can't give into the deception and those games of comparison. See, during this time, it's not about us. 
or even us versus others. But it is about what God is wanting to do during this time. He may be wanting to deal with some of the the insecurities that we have. He may be wanting to allow these things to rise to the surface during this time of testing so that He can purify us and make us more like Him. He's also showing us how not to be about ourselves, but truly put others first. Listen to this. He says, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. In Philippians 2, he continues in verse 4, don't don't look only to your own interest, but take an interest in others. As Paul would say, he says, this, this is for believers. This is for you, not the lost or the world, but for those of us who are following Christ. To put others first, ahead of ourselves, this is what we should be known for right now, not self-preservation. During the early church, you know, they faced extreme persecutions. They faced losing their life for their faith. We aren't to that point yet, but, but look at how they operated and how they responded. The first century Christian, they didn't hoard goods. They didn't run down to the Jerusalem mega mart and grab their emergency supplies. They didn't stock up on wipeable scrolls or food for weeks. Look right here. I am tempted with these same thoughts and feelings. The need to self-preserve, it's real, but we're the body of Christ and we put others ahead of ourselves. He has called us to something greater than our selfishness and our immediate response. He has, caught, he has called us to something even greater, which is to trust Him. He's got us. He's got this. And you're going to hear me say that a lot. And in Acts, we see that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 2 tells us that. This is how they operated. They had everything in common. Every day, they continued to meet. And while this may be a time when people don't meet in person, it doesn't mean that we can't stay connected. It doesn't mean that we can't still engage one another. Quite the opposite. I want to encourage you right now, as you're listening to this, whether it's live or you watch it later on, I want to encourage you to display your faith in worship, not once a week, but daily. You don't have to do it alone either. You can do it in your house with those that are there with you. You can do it by calling someone or texting someone else. You can do it with those gathering with us online right now. You can do it with those you could gather with in your own groups online. I believe during this time, we have an opportunity like never before to share hope with so many needing His peace, with so many needing to find the hope that only He can give. And we can share that, what God has given to us. When will we meet together again? I'm honestly not sure. But one thing I am sure of is that we don't stop worshiping. We don't stop seeking Him. We don't stop sharing His hope, His love, His peace. The world can't give it to us, and the world can't take it away. That's what He's given us. Eternal peace, eternal hope. And right now, we know that a lot of people are looking for hope. They are looking for peace. 
And I love how it records in Acts chapter 2. It goes on and says in verse 46, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. With all my heart, I believe God's going to use this time for good. While people are discussing, you know, what's essential and non-essential right now, I'm telling you, for the church, He's calling us to get back to the essentials of our faith, the basics of our walk with the Lord and each other. It's not only what is going to help us through this time, but how others are going to find hope in Christ who are far from Him. We have that opportunity to share what God has done in us, and now He wants to do it through us. We cling to Him, and we show others how we have this hope in this season. We live by faith, not by fear. We are sacrificial, not selfish. And finally, we shine the light. We do not hide it. Are you shining your light during this time? Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is in Matthew chapter 5, continuing in that Sermon on the Mount. See, during this time, though, people are afraid. They're unsettled. They're anxious. That's our natural fleshly response. They're looking for hope, and we have hope in Christ. Let's not only hoard our TP, but let's not hoard our hope. People are looking for hope, and we have hope in Christ. Let's not only only hoard our toilet paper, but let's not hoard our hope. Let's share this peace, this hope that we have found in Him. If you want to hoard something, hoard souls into the kingdom of light. If you want to hoard something, hoard treasures for heaven right now. If you want to hoard something, hoard time spent in worship Oh, spending time with Jesus, weeping and praying for the nations in our nation right now. This virus, it may be highly contagious. I'm not really sure. But so is what we have against the backdrop of what is happening right now with bleak and scared people. We have the way. We have the truth. We have the life. The answer always has been and always will be Jesus. He's our hope. Let's infect people with the love of God. Let's spread awareness of what He has done in our hearts. Let's start a pandemic, really an awakening, a revival of hope in Jesus alone. So what will we do? We will do this. We will not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayers and petitions, we're going to make our requests known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding It's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. We are different. We're not of this world. Our minds are not conformed to what's on the news or Facebook, but instead, we have the mind of Christ. We are being transformed by His Word, what He says, so that we can do the will of God. We live by faith, not by fear. We are sacrificial, not selfish. We shine the light. We do not hide it. But we... Do not have this treasure in jars of clay, speaking of our bodies. The scripture says to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
We may be hard-pressed on every side right now, but we're not crushed. We may be perplexed and confused, but I want to tell you, we're not in despair. We may even face persecution, but we will never be abandoned. We may even be struck down, but we'll never be destroyed. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And that is why we are not afraid. We are filled with faith. We live sacrificially, and we shine the light that he has given us. I want us to worship together with a song that our friends at Elevation Church recorded from some house worship there in North Carolina. You know, this song has been one of my favorites uh, this year, especially because as I started 2020, I believe the Lord dropped a single word in my heart for this year, victory, victory. So let's worship together. Let's see the victory as we worship with this house, house group together, and then we'll come back and we'll pray. And then I would love to comment with you with some more on the side. It's called See the Victory by Elevation Worship.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single person that's watching with us right now live, those that will watch later on. I just believe, God, you're going to speak to them. You're going to encourage them that they don't have to be lost during this time. They don't have to be in despair. They can have peace that doesn't make sense based on what is happening around us. They can have peace because it is divine and it comes from heaven, it comes from you. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you give us that peace. We thank you that this is the gifts that you have given to us in some of our most uncertain of moments. And Lord, we refuse what the world is trying to give us. We refuse what they are trying to put on us. We will not give in to fear. We will not give in to panic. We will rise up in this faith and we will serve. We will love. We will do the things that you have called us to do. And I believe, God, that you would be doing right now. So Lord, be with your people. Encourage them. Help us to stay connected and to grow through this time. I believe that there will be some diamonds that come out on the other side, Lord, as you are producing in us something that is of eternal worth and value. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your love for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Spend a few minutes on the side. Let's just comment and chat. You don't have to jump right off. Um, let us know how you're doing. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, let's just spend some time hanging out real quick, and I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon.